Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. Bless you, Lord. Oh, man. It's getting a little hot in here, but that's good. Woo! Man. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here right now. Thank you, Lord. So good to see so many families, so many faces. I'm, uh... It's hard. Uh, I'm so excited to jump into the Word for the few minutes we have, but I'm obviously very excited to be able to break bread around the table and celebrate uh, baptisms today, which is just going to be amazing. So it's going to be an awesome, awesome afternoon. Um, But yeah, let's pray, and I'm going to jump in the Word. Lord, I thank you for your presence that's here. I thank you that your presence lives in us. And Lord, we desire to abide in your word. We know the truth sets people free, Lord, and you call us to abide in your truth. So Lord, I'm praying that as we open your word, it's not just for a few minutes, but God, I pray that your truth would go deep into hearts. I pray it would take root, and I thank you in advance for the fruit that will come forth from today, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing in this house, God. Lord, I thank you that... It may seem different, Lord, but I just feel we're so in line with your heart, God. I thank you for every promise you've given over this city, Lord, and the things that we have seen and the things that we will see, Lord. We rejoice this morning, God, that as we baptize, these are all small fists, God, in the sky. We we see the small marks that are testifying to what's coming, Lord, and we bless you for it. We just ask right now that Holy Spirit, would you lead every heart and mind to be fixed on Jesus? All distractions, all worrying about what comes this week, we ask it in the name of Jesus to go. That we would set our minds on things above. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, thank you, worship team. Is there Caesars back there? Love you, <laughs> Love you too. I appreciate that. <laughs> all right. So before we uh, before we jump into all that we have going on after service, we're gonna we're gonna open up the word for a few minutes. I'm expecting Lord to move powerfully, as uh, as He has been and, and will continue to do. Um, the last few weeks, uh, Pastor Crystal had mentioned it at the beginning of service, we have an evangelism week coming up. It's bigger than that, though. The Lord's really been stirring our heart on just a more regular basis as a, as a corporate body going out. And uh, we've been really excited about that. God's, God's bringing that in connection with our prayer room, the connection of intercession and evangelism. Um, and so uh, July 11th to July 15th, if you came in late or didn't hear it, July 11th to the 15th is going to be evangelism week. Please sign up at the back of the welcome table. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And I just feel that right now, I feel like each week we're just getting our hearts prepared by the word for what's going to happen as we go out, not just for that week, but as it becomes more and more of a lifestyle. And uh, here's what I kind of see the image that I've, I've been seeing for us over the last few weeks is it's almost like a kaleidoscope, which in a kaleidoscope you have set content, 
but you turn the kaleidoscope, and even though you're looking technically at the same content, once you turn, there's a new angle which provides new images, uh, provides a new vantage point, but really you're looking at the same thing, but when you see the new shapes and whatnot, it creates awe, right? I feel like we've been honed in on the subject of evangelism. What we're doing each week is taking the word, like the word's like a kaleidoscope, and we're narrowing in, and each week we're turning it. And each week we're seeing the same subject of evangelism, but from a new lens, from a new vantage point, from a new perspective. And so we've looked at power evangelism and how actually miracles are essential to driving repentance. Uh, Last week we took a turn and looked at the ministry of reconciliation, which is another way of seeing evangelism. And uh, and today we're going to take another turn as a body on that kaleidoscope in the Word. And I want us to talk about the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. Because actually, this is Jesus' primary teaching. And we're going to look in the scriptures that when Jesus came, what he taught was the gospel of the kingdom, that God's rule and reign had been brought near. And when we evangelize, we are going out declaring that the king has come (laughs) and that his kingdom is here. In fact, um, Acts chapter 1, it says that after Jesus resurrected, there was a 40-day period between his resurrection and ascension. And Acts 1 verse 6 says, for those 40 days, you know what he taught on? The kingdom of God. This is his essential teaching. Everything else almost really comes under that. So we're going to look at what it means to go out and proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. It is glorious. It is really good news. Uh, And then, um, yeah, we'll we'll pray at the end and see how the Lord leads. And we're going to see this come to pass as we're going out. All right? Amen? So why don't you open up with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, please. I really encourage you to turn there. We're going to move around a little bit. We'll see how where time goes. Worst case, we'll do a part two next week. Mark chapter one. Again, we're going to talk about the gospel of the kingdom. When we go out on July 11th, and every time before that, we're not just waiting for that, but we are bringing the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, a lot of you probably know the flow of what's happening here, but just so we're on the same page, the context is this. Uh, Jesus gets baptized, and when he's baptized, remember the heavens are split open, they're rend open. The Spirit of God falls on Jesus, and he is anointed. He steps into his role as the Spirit-anointed Son. And then he begins his ministry, and right from that Spirit baptism, the Spirit of God leads him into the wilderness, where as a man, dependent on the Spirit, he's going to face Satan himself and be tempted again and again, but will come out victorious And as he comes out of that 40-day wilderness period, I almost picture Jesus. He's coming out as a man of fire, a man that's full of the Spirit, who's overcome the evil one. And here he comes like a blazing fire coming out, and he's essentially proclaiming one message when he comes out. And this is where we, we find this message. Mark 1, verse 14 says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Can you imagine this? He comes out of the wilderness empowered by the Spirit, and he's proclaiming the good news of God, which is what? Verse 15, here's what he said. The time is fulfilled. That's 2,000 years ago or so. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. This is the message that he came out proclaiming out of this place. Full of the Spirit, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. God's rule is here. Do you notice that he's not speaking about something down in the future? He's not, his emphasis is not on, on what will come. His emphasis on what is Uh, has come. 
And he says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In other words, everyone shift. <laughs> everyone turn. Everyone change the course of your life. Something, radically, uh, something radical has happened here. God has brought his kingdom here on the earth. Now, I, I want to just preface something. Just stay with me to teach on this for a moment. I, I want to I share something I feel like probably a lot of us can identify with. Is that early on in my life, I, I had a real misunderstanding of Jesus' teaching here. And I want to be clear, what I'm about to say, it's not that it's wrong. I just have found that it's not the fullness of what Jesus came to bring. Okay, I want to be clear. What I'm about to say is not that it's wrong. I have just found it was not the fullness that what Jesus brought, it, the salvation is so much bigger than what I thought in my own personal little life. And what, what I believe for a long time, just for different reasons, I feel like just the Western culture, the way we see heaven and whatnot, is I thought when Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, it's one and the same I thought the whole emphasis here was a gospel primarily about conversion for the sake of having your eternal destiny secured. In other words, I thought he was just saying, get right with me. I don't really like that language because we don't get right with God. God has provided everything for us to get right. We just believe on that. But I thought the whole point was, it was a gospel mainly of conversion. And then from there, the point is to, to just hold on until you get out of here. So I, I, the emphasis, the, the problem with that that I found is that it completely, I think, robs the church of their ultimate mission right now. I want to be abundantly clear. Conversion is essential. You can't enter into the kingdom without first being born again, turning to the Lord. All of that is essential. I'm not saying that. But there is something that's happening that's so much bigger than just being converted and then trying to hold on for dear life until God takes us out of here. His whole emphasis, again, he said the kingdom of God is at hand. His whole emphasis was not on what is coming down the road. He says, I've brought something here today. He's talking about the kingdom of God that is here and now. And the gospel that Jesus preached is the gospel of the kingdom. And I feel God wants us to really like recapture this. Because this is, this is the hope. What Jesus proclaimed, what Jesus preached, the gospel of the kingdom is this. And very simply, it's the proclamation and demonstration again that the king and his kingdom has come here that the sovereign rule of God is here on the earth now, and that every sphere of life that has been touched and shattered by sin is now going to be restored as it comes under the reign of God. When we proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, we are not simply uh, looking to have more people attend on a Sunday morning service. That's great, that's a byproduct, but the gospel of the kingdom is about every area of life being radically transformed by the rule of God. We're talking about families being restored. We're talking about cities being radically transformed. We're talking about land that was cursed, being blessed. This, this is like the big picture here. Every, every sphere of life is being touched. This is the gospel that Jesus came to proclaim. So let me, let, me, um, let me frame it out this way. After the fall, after sin, God remains sovereign, okay? All right, I want to be abundantly clear because I don't want you to think that there's like really any, a battle that God is afraid of losing, not by any means, <laughs> In fact, if you were here with us a few weeks ago, we talked about how God is working all things together for good. And we talked about how every, every sin, every, every rebellion, God has sought beforehand and actually factored it into his plan of redemption. He's never caught off guard. He's never, he's never playing catch up. God has rolled everything into this glorious plan. So when sin enters in, and what I'm about to say, God in his infinite wisdom allows all of this to happen. But scripturally, what we find is that when sin enters in, that the earth or the world is now considered to be under the dominion of Satan. He's considered the God of this age. He is called the prince of the power of the air. 
And so the point is that after sin, there's the, it's almost like this whole earth comes under the dominion of Satan. God and his wisdom allows this to happen. But when Jesus, Jesus shows up on the scene, he comes proclaiming that God's reign has come here now. God's kingdom. He's breaking through the realm of Satan and declaring it's over. Sin, suffering, sickness, all of these things, it's come to an end. We're beginning to see the end of it now because God's rule has been brought near to us. This is glorious, glorious news. God is breaking in and restoring all things. I want you to see this one verse, and then uh, we'll dive deeper into this. Come to Matthew, if you would. Matthew 4, please. So I want to be clear, Jesus' emphasis is not on merely trying to take us away from the earth. He's bringing the kingdom of heaven to the earth. We don't have time to go into worldviews, but the whole idea is eternity. Eternity, I thought eternity was us floating around as disembodied spirits, like in the clouds forever and ever. Eternity, Revelation 21, shows it's heaven coming on earth. It's this earth being radically renewed because the rule of God is broken in. So sin comes, sin shatters it, it's like Satan has dominion, and then God. Jesus is pictured as a divine intruder who's come to set everything straight. He said, behold, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is here now. Now look at verse verse 17 of Matthew 4. This is Matthew's account. He says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is Matthew's language. Kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of God. And now look at verse 23. He says, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming, what is he proclaiming? The gospel of the kingdom. I promise you, here's a homework assignment. Go and study carefully. Don't go what people have over the years. I mean, I love, I teach, teachers are great, but look for the words yourself. What does Jesus actually proclaim? What he's teaching is a gospel of the kingdom, not merely a gospel of just getting converted. That's entry point, but he's teaching about God's rule again, coming here to the earth. So he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now look what follows. And healing every disease. So he's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. He's healing every disease and every affliction among the people, verse 24, so his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. Verse 25, and the great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. So I promise you, if you read through the Gospels, you will find this statement, whether Jesus was proclaiming it or whether he was sending out his disciples, he says, go preach the Gospel of the Kingdom. And then what you will find every single time it's preached is, you know what happens? Demonstrations of the Gospel of the Kingdom happens. You will always find healing, deliverance, salvation, the blind seeing, the lame walking. Why? Because every miracle has a divine purpose. Every miracle is meant to testify that God has broken through in the realm of Satan. He's been rendered powerless and the kingdom of God has come here now. Now just walk with me. This is, but this is glorious news. God is sending us out to proclaim his kingdom. Listen, we are not going out. I was having a conversation with a guy, Johnny, this week. We're not going out asking people to vote for Jesus as king. He's king. We are merely just testifying it's already happened. Now whether they want it or not, that's up to them. But we are proclaiming that he's come, and then when we lay hands on the sick and so on, those things actually testify that God is alive and he's truly reigning and he's truly breaking in.
Guys, every, every salvation is showing that the enemy is, lost, is losing his grip on souls. Every healing is declaring that suffering is coming to an end. Every demonic possession that, where someone's being, uh, demons are being cast out is declaring that God has invaded the realm of Satan and he's being rendered powerless and his eternal destiny is destruction. That's what it's saying. Jesus is saying, guys, the kingdom of God is here. Now watch this. And he's praying for these people who are getting set free and said, this is how you know God's kingdom is here now. Because he who, who had power over lives, he's being rendered powerless. Every resurrection from the dead, you know that happens? <laughs> it really does happen. Where's Dina? Dina was pronounced, how long were you pronounced uh, dead for? Ten minutes from a drug overdose. God has resurrected. Joe had another uh, experience as well. Guys, this is the real, it's the real deal. You know what that's proclaiming? That's proclaiming that death will be no more. Death is not a friend that takes us to a better place. It's an enemy of God, and God is crushing him, putting under his feet. And every time someone gets resurrected or someone gets touched like that, it's proclaiming, it's prophesying to the age that's coming. <laughs> Miraculous provision when God provided, like, like the food. You know what's proclaiming? Human need is coming to an end. Purity, victory over temptation is prophesying that you've been set free from the tyranny of sin. Do you, do you actually know the, Matthew, Matthew 4 and Mark 1, when he comes out proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, where did Jesus just come out of? He just came out of the wilderness, where he literally, as a man, as I said, by the Spirit, had Satan come and try to tempt him, and he overcame. So man, for 40 days, as a man, he says, uh-uh, it stops here. Where Israel failed, where Adam failed, I've succeeded. He comes out of that place of victory over the evil one and then says, behold, God's reign is here. So when you live in purity, you're, you're declaring, guys, we're declaring God's kingdom is here. Oh, man, that gets me really excited. This is what we're going out to, to speak. <laughs> so a little bit technical here, but I want you to understand this. It's really important that we are, because this will help maybe understand, okay, you say this, Pastor, but why do we still see suffering and sickness happening, right? We are caught, everyone listening? <laughs> I don't want to lose you on this. We are caught between two ages. This is what the Bible speaks about. So let me, let me present it really clear and then see how this works. There are two ages, biblically. There is the present age, and there's the age to come. Pretty simple, all right? The age to come has many different names. It's future age or messianic age or age of the kingdom, okay? Present age, which is from creation all the way to the return of the Lord, and then after that would be the age to come, okay? The present age is where human existence is marked by weakness, frailty, suffering, sickness, all of these things is in the present age. The age to come is what we long for, for the age to come is where all of the former things, all of the old things have passed away. That means suffering, sin, disease, all of the works of the enemy are truly purged away. This is what we're longing for, right? So you've got a present age, you've got the age of the kingdom or, or the future age, right? What made what Jesus did so interesting and amazing but also confusing to many of the Jews is that he didn't just do a clean break from present age to age of the kingdom. What Jesus did is he took the future age, the age of the kingdom, and brought it into our present. He took our future hope and then broke it into our now. So that technically, we're living now in the tension of two ages. This is why in one sense, we're still in the present age. This is why you can still see evil and suffering and sickness. Yet at the same time as believers, we're also living in the age of the kingdom. 
This is why we're seeing salvation, healing, deliverance, and so on and so forth. And so our job as believers is we are taking the age of the kingdom that has been brought near and we are forcefully going into this present age marked by sin and sickness and declaring that that age has come now. This is what we get to go out and do. And so one way to see this is that we are literally invading this present age, guys. And we're prophesying to what's coming. We're not waiting for Jesus to rule and reign. The moment he ascended, he took his seat at the right hand of God. It has begun. It has started. Now he sends out messengers, those who will herald the good news and say, Behold, have you heard? King Jesus has come and his reign is here now. This is what we're going around to do. So one of the ways to see evangelism, evangelism is the collision of two kingdoms, two worlds, two fronts. This is why, biblically, when you see those who really grasp the revelation of the gospel of the kingdom, things get really messy. (laughs) Because when we see with the eyes of the Spirit, we recognize what we're actually doing is we're going into territories that are under the dominion of Satan and we're literally blowing these things back and saying, this is God's now. This is God's reign. And, and when that happens, there is never a peaceful transition. Let, let, me, um, let me present it to you. I want you to have see a vision when things start happening. You're like, what in the world's going on? This is very biblical. Let me put it this way. Think about a warm front and a cold front. <laughs> Most of our storms or, t- or uh, any type of crazy weather is the byproduct of when a warm front and a cold front comes together in some form. Violence ensues. It gets messy, kind of looks a little bit disorderly, <laughs> but it's not. When God's kingdom collides with the kingdom of Satan, it gets messy. <laughs> there's, there's, there's power that comes out. Power encounters come forth. And what I mean by power encounters, that's, that's a term that uh, I've recently come across that essentially just means that there will be encounters where Jesus will show himself to be more powerful than any idol or false god. So there'll be standoffs. We'll go and say, we'll show you Jesus is king. <laughs> and there's a stand, but then we actually not just proclaim it, but demonstrate it. So think about Acts 19, where Paul goes into Ephesus. You guys know this story? And the whole city gets turned upside down. The reason why, guys, is because literally you have to see it's under the dominion of the prince of the power of this air. It's a picture of Satan. He's got dominion over this place that's steeped in idolatry, but Paul comes with the gospel of the kingdom of God and breaks in and the whole thing starts getting turned upside down. Everything starts being released. So the more we go out and proclaim that God's reigns here, guys, a lot of stuff is going to come up. <laughs> and we should expect that. And God has fully equipped us as we're going to see with all power and authority to be able to handle everything that comes up. He hasn't left us their power. He's given us everything that, that we need to do this. The greatest example of the collision of two fronts was at the cross with Jesus. Um, at the cross, Jesus gave an eternal sacrifice for our sins, right? Not only did his sacrifice produce forgiveness of sins, but it also led to the ultimate defeat of our flesh, the world, Satan, right? In this moment, him hanging on the cross, you have forgiveness and you have the utter destruction of the kingdom of darkness. Therefore, at the cross, there was an incredible display of power. Think about this. When Jesus gave up his life at the cross, you know what happened? It said all of creation began to shake. There was a violent earthquake. The earth shook. Rocks split. The, the sun stopped shining for three hours. The temple was torn. Uh, the veil in the temple was torn. 
And Matthew 27, 52, if that's not enough, says graves of former saints were cracked open and they actually came out and walked on the earth. Why? Because what was happening is at the cross, there wasn't this passive event. God was forcefully kicking his way into, as a divine intruder, into the realm of the kingdom of darkness and saying, it's over. God's reign is here now. So as we go out, we're going to see these same things. <laughs> and we're going to have victory in everything that we do. <laughs> listen. You guys with me? We are not. Listen, when in doubt, if all you have is to tell someone, listen, like, believe on the Lord and you got to keep it moving, do it. But what I want us to see is that, again, what I've found is that if that's where we stop, we've, we've led, I just feel like a church has been robbed of their mission when we think that's all it is, and now we're just waiting for this eternal place, and the church has become very defensive. And we've almost been like relegated to this place of, oh my goodness, we got saved, but let's just hold on for dear life until we get out of here. Guys, we are never on the defensive position. We are never on the defensive. Jesus' message, the whole thing is he says, man, something powerful has started. It's been brought here, God's kingdom. So even though two kingdoms are colliding, I want to be really clear. Both are not coming at each other in equal places. One is on the offensive, and one is always pictured on the defensive. And who might you think is on the offensive? <laughs> God. Jesus. Holy Spirit. God is always pictured as the aggressor. This is critical to understand so that you have the right attitude and stance in your Christian life. Never once is the church hunkering down, hoping to hold on. Every single time, God comes in force and blows out the kingdom of darkness and says, my reign is here. Every single time. Like, I just, we need our minds renewed to this. Because when we go out, this is the victory that we're going out. This is what we're going to see. That doesn't mean there's not going to be opposition, persecution. All of that stuff is going to come. Oh, but the glory will be there in the midst of all of it. In the midst of all of it, the glory will be there. Here's what I found scripturally. Satan can without a doubt wage war on the sons and daughters of the kingdom, but I have not found one scripture where he's been able to wage war on the kingdom itself. He can never wage war in God's kingdom. He has no authority, no power. He would not dare to do that. Every single time we look at the scriptures, he may, he may have individual battles with us, but every single time when it comes to God's kingdom, he is always relegated to a position of defense. <laughs> There's nothing he can do. The only thing that allows him to remain is a church that has not been awakened to the gospel of the kingdom and their right to go in and say, uh-uh, can't stay here. <laughs> you have to leave here. You can't stay with this person. You can't stay in this community. You can't stay in this town. God's reign is here now. So I want to show you just a few quick verses to encourage your heart with how we're on the offensive. So come with me to Matthew 16, please. Are you guys with me? Tracking with me. The gospel of the kingdom. Bring in the future age. The age of the kingdom, the age of hope is here. And we're bringing it everywhere we go. All right, Matthew 16. I want to just share a few verses to see, encourage your heart. We really are on the offensive. There, um, we've shared this text before. I know some of you, if you've been here, we've, we've covered what I'm about to say. I'll just have to talk a little louder. Enemy doesn't want it. <laughs> the kingdom of God will continue to go forth. <laughs> so so here's, 
Here's what I want you to see. Matthew 16. If you've never heard this, you'll be encouraged. Even if you have, it's good to put this before us again. And Matthew 16 is where Jesus gathers his disciples and he essentially says, who do people say that I am? Have you guys heard of this? And many begin to respond. They begin to respond and say, oh, they say you're a prophet, Elijah, John the Baptist, so on and so forth. Then Jesus turns and says, who do you say that I am? Peter stands up and says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, meaning Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father is in heaven. He then says, now your name is going to be the rock. And now look at verse 18, Matthew 16, verse 18. He says this. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, overcome it. Verse 19, listen carefully, he says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Do you guys hear? I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, which is the kingdom of God. What do keys do? Keys give you access, meaning authority. He's saying, Peter, the church, I want to be clear, the church is not the kingdom of God. The church is merely the vessel that brings the kingdom of God. But what he's telling Peter is, Peter, the church is going to be empowered with the authority to bring the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In other words, Peter, you're going to have authority of the kingdom of God, and whatever is allowed to freely flow in heaven, you're going to allow it to freely flow in the earth, and whatever can't flow in the realm of heaven, you're going to bind up and not allow it to flow here on earth. In other words, you're going to bring heaven to earth. You're going to bring the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, to earth. And in fact, you're going to have such authority to do this that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. And why is that so encouraging? Because the whole picture here that I, I used to read it this way. Once again, I thought what it was saying is that the church has, has been empowered. And every time there's a, an assault by the enemy, we're able to hold our ground. And as encouraging as that may be, this is far greater. For gates, the gates of hell, gates are not to advance. Gates are meant to keep people out. So what he's actually saying is the church will have such authority of the kingdom of God that everywhere they go to a place that has the gates of hell, meaning to people or territories that have become strongholds for the kingdom of darkness, the gates of hell will not be able to hold the kingdom of God from coming in and reclaiming that to the dominion of God. So that means, like we go into Mastic Beach and Long Island, and we go into places that spiritually would be deemed gates of hell. In other words, it would be deemed these are principalities and strongholds. We're going in with the authority of the kingdom of God, and we're reclaiming it and bringing it back into the dominion of the Lord. And those gates of hell cannot overcome. Matthew eleven twelve says the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing, and the violent take it by force. The kingdom of God is not just barely getting by. In one man, he brought with him the seed of God's kingdom, and from there now it is forcefully advancing until he returns and establishes it in its fullness. But before that comes, he's given us one mission. You've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Go continue to bring my kingdom. The Great Commission is another example of this. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. The going is an offensive position. Our going shows that we are on the offensive. Why can we go? He says, because I have all authority. God says, I have all authority in heaven and earth. This has been absolutely wrecking me this week. Power is the ability to do something, 
Strength is the ability, uh, power is like the strength to do something, the might, but authority is the right to exercise the power of God. And so he says, all authority has been given to me, and now we get to go in the authority of Christ. And I, the, the picture I have is, imagine this, imagine a, uh, a traffic officer, right? He stands in the middle of an intersection, and there's cars flying, there could be Mack trucks, that officer possesses no power in and of himself to stop those trucks. If the truck wanted to go, it'll go right through him. However, the moment he stands in the road and puts his hand up, what happens? Every car stops because they recognize that he has a badge and a uniform that he's been given by a higher authority. And even though he doesn't have the power to stop it, because of the authority that he goes in, we stop. We've been given the authority of Christ. I feel God is like awakening me to the idea that I carry the authority of Jesus and that I'm able to actually go and destroy the works of the devil like he did, not because of me, but because he said, I've sent you in my authority. Like a lot of times I've just wrestled with that and honestly, it's just, it's been a lack of trust in the provision that God has given me. I thought it was humility, like, oh no, Jesus. No, it's, it's, I'm, I'm lacking humility to step into the fullness of what God has actually purchased for us and what the mission of the church looks like. Matthew, uh, Matthew 8, you guys ever read about the Roman centurion who comes to Jesus? This is amazing. It, it, like fresh eyes, I saw it with this week, where he comes, this Roman centurion, he comes to Jesus and says, my servant's sick, he's not gonna make it, would you come and essentially, would you heal him? Jesus says, I'll come to the house and, and heal him. He says, no, 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 I'm not worthy for you to come. And then the Roman officer says this, I'm a man of authority because of being in military, I understand authority works. And if I tell one of my servants, one under me, to go, it goes. If I tell them to come, it comes. Jesus, all you need to do is speak the word and my servant will be healed. And do you know what Jesus did? He marveled and said, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Why? Because this man understood authority. And I believe Jesus is waiting. Like there's an opportunity for us to create the marveling of God again at a people that understand that we've been given the right to give orders in the spirit realm. That's the authority that God has actually given us to do that. What would it look like to grab hold of? We have the authority of Christ to go out and do his will. One last verse, 1 John 3, please. 1 John 3. 1 John 3. Again, it's the kaleidoscope today. We've turned the angle. Gospel of the kingdom is what we're going out to proclaim, guys. We're taking everything for the Lord. <laughs> you say, well, how much of the future age, the age of the kingdom, can we see now? I don't know. God never said. But one thing I know is he never told us to think about that before we go. He just says, will I find faith when I return? All we need to do is we're meant to go and proclaim it, and the rest is up to the Lord. It's not for us to try to figure out, well, what about this person? What about that person? We just, we just go. The rest is in his hands. Look at 1 John 3, verse 8, another scripture to see the offensive nature we've been given. Mark, if you would, uh, wouldn't mind just playing some. It says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Stop. So now we know the diabolical origin of sin is the devil. And therefore we know anything that has entered this world when sin came in, we know who the true author is. 
Very important. All of the things that we have seen now, sickness and suffering, all those things, those came in as a result of sin. Who is the author of sin? Satan. Now, we know that God can work through all things and turn all things for good. We see that. But I want to be clear that all these things are attributed to him. He's the author of it. He's the founder of it. And then look at the second part of this verse. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So the devil has been sinning from the beginning. It's originated in him. And then it says, and the reason the Son of God was made flesh and manifested and walked among us was to destroy the works of the devil. Works? Do you see the offensive nature again? <laughs> Jesus is coming and he's destroying. He's overturning everything. And again, every miracle and with his message, he's proclaiming that within me the gospel of the kingdom has been brought near to you. And notice that it says he's destroying the works of the enemy. Works, plural. Because the, the activity of Satan is manifold and Jesus is destroying all of it. Like mental bondage, physical bondage, emotional bondage, relational bondage. There's all of these things that go on. These are all attributed to sin. And Jesus has come to break all of this. All of this. He says he's come to destroy the works. Destroy means to loose. Which means these diabolical works are seen as chains that God has come to liberate us from. To destroy means to, to uh, not to annihilate, but to deprive of force, to render powerless. He has sapped the strength from the works of the enemy. Satan is still going around, but he has been rendered powerless. We are now going out with a message of liberating captives. Jesus went and came to destroy the works of the enemy, and now Jesus ascended, pours out the very spirit that he leaned into, that empowered him to do this, and now the spirit has been poured out on who? Us, which means his mission has been transferred to us. We're not, we're, not, we're not just telling people to make a decision, pray a prayer, as genuine, as real as that is, and important, and then just, hey, just hang on for a future date. No, 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 it's so much greater. God's reign is broken in. And Jesus and his kingdom is being established through us now. And he's given us this mission. And now we have the great privilege to go and liberate all of the captives that are still enslaved because of the fall of Adam. So even though at, at the cross of Satan there was a final victory that was given, like it was a decisive final victory, again, God in his wisdom has allowed for this interim period where we are now not trying to gain victory, we're enforcing the victory. Amen. All we're doing is now enforcing and saying this is the reality. Amen? I was going to share different works, um, but I'm going to save that for next week. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Uh, we're going to do part two of the gospel of the kingdom. We're going to look at, we have power over disease, power over demons. Jesus had power over destructive nature. Jesus had power over death. We're going to see that we go out and destroy the works of the enemy and that we're going to be presented with situations. And I want you, I believe right now that seeds have been put in your heart. You can resist all you want, but it's been put in your heart now. And when these opportunities come up, you're going to realize I'm going to proclaim that he reigns. I'm going to declare it and then I'm going to back it up. We're going to go in faith and we're going to pray for whatever comes our way. Amen. Let's stand.